Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we're going to get into the new stats are out and break down what they mean to you. We're going to do a deep dive on what's been going on that's affecting the New West real estate market. And we're going to talk about seller's responsibilities before completion with our question of the week. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How do you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, we are in episode seven, and I think we're all pretty excited because we're going to go really deep on New West today, which is something that all of us are quite excited about. My name is Jeff McLennan. I'm here with Matt Brabins and Jeremy Ray from Remax Advantage. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Excellent. What's been going on? I screwed up my taxes. Did you really? Yeah. What'd you do? (laughs) Can you tell us? Publicly. Yeah. <laughs> you can, you can I, disclose that information. I can tell you what I did. I made a mistake. Um, I pay a residual fee um, based on the total revenue of my business to my retired business partner. Okay. And we were coming into the last year of it, but uh, he was helping me out. We had just done a bit of a payment plan that I was going to pay it after the end of the, the calendar year or, or our fiscal year. Um, but we forgot to invoice it and actually put it on as an expense. For 2017. So you, you didn't write off the income I didn't that got write, paid I didn't to. write off the bill that I owed him. Uh, you paid it. Well, no, I'm paying it in 2018, but the idea was that it was invoiced in 2017. It was just to help balance out my expenses. Yeah, significant right? write-off, though, to, to Yeah, miss. but it was a significant write-off. So I called my accountant. And I was like, hey, man, I screwed up. And he's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> was there some finger wagging? No, no. No? He didn't scold you? Uh, no. No, I'm not a I'm not an easy client with him because I always have all the paperwork, but he always has to ask me for a couple things, and I just screwed that up. So I said, "Well, I mean, it is a 2017 thing. Can we go back and do it retroactively?" He's like, "According to the tax law, you can, sure. But if you do that, I'm almost willing red to flag, guarantee red you flag. you're going to get audited." Yeah. He's like, "This is a huge change to your taxable amount," and I was like, "Yeah, I know. I'm going to have because it's a percentage to of your total taxes. income." Yeah. Yeah. So he said, he just said, Hey, okay, man, if you can just find a way to float it, float it through 2018. And then you can write it off this year. Or write it off for the 2018 year. And you'll probably, it's not gone. No, I'll have super low taxes for the, at the end of the 2018 year, probably. That sucks. Yeah. But I, I totally screwed that up. (laughs) That's never fun. Uh, No, but that is why I pay someone to do the accounting for me. I would think that you're like a pretty good client for an accountant. I like give them all the spreadsheets, spreadsheets and all the rest of it. I'm not handing a shoebox. I would guess of all them. three of us, you're probably the best in present company. Probably, I have all of the data. The problem is, is that sometimes it doesn't make its way to him. Okay, it's in a spreadsheet. It's been written down and all the rest of it. But every year he has to come back and say, "Well, Matt, where's your stuff for your home office?" It's like, That's the one I always miss out too. On you're like, "Oh yeah, hmm. talk to Jane." <laughs> I hate tax time. I hate it so much. Yeah, I thought it was over. Yeah. Um, the reason why most people procrastinate until the very, very last minute. Just to total side note: I set a mission for this year because we're coming up to the end of June mm. uh, that uh, I have to have everything, a hundred percent of everything the accountant asks for for the mid-year point. I say things like that to myself every year. Yeah, but I have a Debbie. You do have a Debbie. So I told Debbie that this is what must be done by the end of July. This is your task. Okay. Mm. <laughs> so you have to ask me, Debbie. You have to pretend that you're Peter. Who asks for all the stuff? You need to get a he's list of everything he's asked for, and you got to just right. hound me until you have it all. Hmm. 
that's, anyway that's cool anyway that's that's it yeah freaking tax time just <laughs> makes me just kind of like just thinking about it yeah yeah you know and there's always a, the the email like ah send it all off got it and then there's always like yeah handful of stuff um what's new with uh mr jeff uh i'll 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 wait. Do you want to go last? He's yeah, deferring. I, you want? Yeah, I'll defer. I, I defer. Yeah. He's defer really interested in hearing too. from yeah. you, Jeremy. Um, okay. Uh, what's new with with myself and I guess kind of Matt? We got our, our website done, or it's live officially, which has been kind of a for the new West thing guys. for the new West guys, which is thenewwestguys.com. There's a the in front. Apparently, yeah. that matters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> learning learning that, uh, but. Um, no, I don't know. It's it's been kind of fun. Like I use Yelp, and it's been kind of fun to to kind of go through. Um, we're trying to you know do promotions. Oh, are you and finding like your old testimonies and stuff? Just to we're put getting, on going through some of those. We're kind of asking for testimonies because we're sort of starting, not starting over, but we have a new Facebook page with no barely any content on it. Right. Uh, we have all these developed accounts that we've been using for years, and all of a sudden there's this fresh thing. So just kind of going through Yelp and putting some of those testimonies on the website. But it's also been kind of fun to go through some of the like local businesses in New West. We're doing New West so we can talk about it. But um, yeah, like going through like where do you grab sandwiches from or what and just sort of mm-hmm. also just reciprocating. We're asking for reviews and I'm like I hey, should do some reviews for some of the local guys around town. And I think it helps everyone's business, but it's kind of fun to go through and yeah, figure out. I've, uh, I've got a local plug this is the um, for sandwiches, not for sandwiches, because okay. I feel like we agree on all of our sandwich. We can thoughts. Matt and I talked about we know where the best sandwiches are, lo- which street they're lo- located on. <laughs> yeah, they really are. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say all three of my favorite sandwich shops are all on Columbia. That's a fair assumption. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I, I tried a new barber. Oh, yeah. Mm. I went to Master Fade. Um which uh, anybody who has sort of been around New West for a while, it's right beside where the old comic book store was, Talking Illustrations on 12th. Okay. And um, it was awesome. They were great with my kid. They were great with me. They, they like It was just like three guys playing music. They put Netflix on for Asher. Sweet. It was awesome. Like, and we should also mention, like we are open to sponsorships. Um, so, if, yeah, there's any local businesses that want to, <laughs> you know, haircuts today provided by... Master fade. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's I didn't cool. mean to derail you. Yeah, so no, you that's were... all good. That's that's kind of yeah, that. So I wonder if can you review I also got a crown first. Well, I got prepped for the crown for one of my, my teeth. Yeah. Um I guess you can yeah, you can yelp. Everything's on there, right? Like, they're, they're, really they're like gentle. Great, my dentist type sites, I think. The dentist was really nice with my mouth. I barely bled. <laughs> Okay. I'm just writing the review in my head. This sounds great. Okay. Yeah, Jane, write, Jane, write this Jane will love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now can you go? Yeah, sure. I'll go. Right. I um, so remember last week I was talking about the fact that everybody kind of forgot how to negotiate. I I um, I got an offer accepted this morning at five thirty a.m. Um, who was working at five? Dad's. Yeah, I'm up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and and my guy isn't in town. He's right. he's out of province. So it was it was later where he was. But it was so fun. I got to negotiate again and i was like pulling out all the old tricks like uh the seller was like well you know the market's picking up and i'm all over all the sorts of stuff which you know you don't get to do these things anymore like uh one of my old techniques which i hadn't done in a while was really trying to get the agent to admit that the price is wrong like like trying to get on like look look i know it's not you you must have told him a good price and your seller's just not fair and and i got him to admit it so then all of a sudden like 
I've kind of got a teammate in the negotiation and, um, you know, we were doing the old, well, there's another one in the complex, so this is our final offer and we really want yours, but we'll just go down the street and buy buy the other one. It's not as nice as yours, but they are asking $20,000 less than you. And, uh, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, I had forgotten how much fun going back and forth. There's an absolute high to totally. negotiating. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of fun to figure that stuff out. Yeah, we I had that on one of one of uh, mine in re- fairly re- recently, where he's, yeah, you start getting the not necessarily yeah. the one in the other complex, but well, this one, uh, you know, if you accept this, this one's taking offers uh, in two days. So, but you know, we kind of like yours, but yeah, uh, all the old, it's like oh, the old yeah, old oh tricks, okay. yeah, well, let us know how that goes, and uh, we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah, it was it was super fun, and I mean, we got more than forty grand off of asking price, which I don't remember the last time. I got to do something like that. The, the final nail in the coffin was uh, um, the snap stats just came out. And so we hit them with those and really went deep on exactly what was happening. And they paint a very clear picture. Um, but that's actually going to lead us into the news. So why don't we get into that? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, so Jeff uh, teased uh, Snapstats, and we're going to tell you a little bit more about what Snapstats actually are. It's a bit of a branded uh, package of, of stats, but as far as the news go, it's the beginning of the month, well, close enough to the beginning of the month that they've released uh, the stats from the month of May, and those stats come from primarily what we look at is from our board, the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver, and they've put out their release, and they talk about it in broad strokes, and the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver is broad <laughs> because it goes from South Delta to Maple Ridge to... Uh, Squamish. So it's got all sorts of numbers that can contradict each other and all the rest of it. But there's some general statements in there. And then uh, I actually pulled my news article from the local New West paper because today's episode is a lot about New West. Yeah. And they did a really good job. It's actually the first time I've read it from the New well, West perspective. Where you agree with it? You're like, well, that's pretty close. It was, it was just packaged really well where they said, these are the overall stats from the board and this is what it is about New West. And hmm. here are the numbers that sound big and exciting, but hang on a second. Let's look at it from a different perspective. Sure. And do they oh, consult interesting. anyone locally? Uh, no, no, there are, there are no, there are guys. No, kind it's of just somebody just, just digging into the numbers oh, and great. commenting on them. We, we made the news internationally this week too. Did you see that? There was a time... Uh, New West? Uh, not New West. Greater Vancouver. Uh, there was an article in a New York... I don't know if it was the New Yorker or the New York Times um, about what is happening with Vancouver's real estate market. And the headline was something fantastic about, like, even the homeowners aren't happy about how high prices have risen. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that one. Uh, let's talk about uh, this news article for the board stats and i love to start with the headlines because the headlines are always intended to draw in eyeballs right and this one says may home sales see 35 percent slump from last year hmm interesting scary that sounds scary so scary you know what just before we get into it which i my brother um was the editor at the douglas college newspaper for a while and something i learned from him when he was doing that is the reporter doesn't usually write the headline. 
So you might have a really mm-hmm. balanced article, but some editor is like, okay, but how do I get people to read it? That's right. And it's a different person, um, which once he told me that made so much sense. Yeah, absolutely. So it is what we come across though, when we're you know, flipping yep. through our feeds or whatever it is. Got to get the attention. May sales slump. May, May home sales see 35% slump from last year. And then right into the second paragraph of the article, they do a really good job. Uh, the board overall reported 2,800 sales. Uh, in the region, which is 35% less than May of 2017. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about the exact month over month differential from May of last year to May of this year. Um, but it is a bigger decline than what April was of last year. Uh, but then the next line says, however, and this is what I love about this article, it's getting straight to the point. May's total sales were up 9.8% month over month. So April was was weak, but May actually had ten percent more sales than April. Sure. So the or the, the headline of the article says thirty five percent slump, terrible news, and then you but read it actually, and it says we're up ten percent from last month and we're up two percent on prices. Yeah, prices are up, sales numbers are up from last month. Without clarifying, I, I actually think that that's maybe not the best reporting. Um, I'm much more concerned about what it did compared to a year ago's month than the month before, because we know there are seasonal shifts. There are certain months that tend to be hotter or slower. Um, You know, like in December when sales drop like crazy, that's nothing to worry about. But if the December is way less than the December the year before, that's probably an indicator of something. Unless the December before was a total abnormal market. Yes. Yep. Which is, sure. I think, what potentially this kind of is. Well, inventory has been so low lately compared to sales, which is the past two and a half years. So, look, maybe looking in this market, maybe looking over May to May or May over May is going to be not the best sort of example. Well, what are we, you, Jerry? You've got the stats in front of you. Are we in, ready? Are in, we ready for in condos? What is it? It's like eighty nine sales less or something like that than the year before in condos. Um. It's they the, don't. Yeah, it's the red line there. Yeah, I'm just looking at from from an actual. Sorry, again, I'm not talking to to my microphone here. Um, this past May, we had eight, 106 and 186. So Matt, numbers. You just said 106 and 186. 106 yeah. this That's month. That's really difficult math. To 80. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, not the number of sales as a percentage. <laughs> 80 out of 100. And, sorry, what's your question? You you said thirty percent down, thirty five percent fewer sales. Is that for New Westminster? For no, that was board. board for board. Okay. Oh, that was board, and is that that's houses and condos all lumped into yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, and that that's problematic too because you never get the whole picture by looking at the whole picture. Yeah, we need to segment it, There's which is why we're going to bring in them, the. But. Oh yeah, for sure. I just mm, mean yeah, like but, what what two million dollars or housing houses are doing doesn't affect what's happening in the $500,000 condo market. Oh, yeah. Like they're completely, they're not related to each other or they are, but tangentially. And I think sales volume stats are really, they are valuable. And what you're saying, Jeff, about looking at one year versus the next is comparable seasonality. It's just that the next part matters where people tend to associate low sales numbers with falling prices. Hmm. So the fact that the prices this month are more than they were last month to me is important. So inventory keeps climbing. We have fewer sales than the lower than the ten year average. Well, and that's market to market too, because there's a lot of places where the average prices are lower. Yeah, than, but I'm saying, but so, so overall they may be higher. 
Uh, overall, they're higher. Yeah. Um, now I got to scroll through and get this in each. It's got new West info, then it's got general info. Um, what's your question? I I, mean, I had a <laughs> statement. Well, can can I confirm your statement? What was your statement? J- just that that can be deceiving too. Because if here, I'm just going to grab Jeremy's you stats. Can, you can grab he, my stats. He's, he's got them. Like um, if we look at the New West condo market and. How much did you say? You said they're higher, the numbers? Prices are up about 2%. Right. So the average sale price was $499 last month. The month before it was $565. And then a year before it was $471 in condos. So that's now average sale prices are also massively deceiving because what happens if the month before a new development sprung? And I all, usually all never of the, look no, at I, I don't like average sale prices. I might look at HPI over like price yeah. index over longer periods of time, but not so much for month to month sort of numbers and yeah. fluctuations. Cause yeah, like you're saying all of a sudden, like right now what we're experiencing in new West, you know, over $2 million houses are yeah. apparently flying off the shelves. Well, and you get weird things too, right? Like it, I was looking at the stats overall and Port Moody seems to be the big winner. Like Port Moody has a higher price per square foot than we do now. Um, really? Their average sale price is much higher. Yeah. Like way, way above and beyond. What do they do? Do you know, do you know offhand or roughly what? What the number was? Price per foot is on their attached. Um, oh, I'm on airplane mode. I just sent it to a client. Um, what, what is New West? Is, New West is saying, I mean, and here's a fluctuation yeah. and this is, I hate price per yeah, square me foot. Too. <laughs> it's yeah. it. So don't anyone listening to this. Yeah. Please don't quote price per square foot. But uh, April it was six twenty eight. In yeah. May it's five fifty four. I, I think Port Moody is high sixes. Okay. Um, but when you stop and think about what's selling in Port Moody, it's all the Port Moody development is way newer. It's all they have a yeah, lot and, of new yeah, new products. So it skews the numbers. It totally skews the numbers. Like is is Port Moody more expensive than New West now? Maybe. But is part of that is Port Moody more expensive than our similar aged stuff? Yeah. yeah, that's a whole. I would different say it's seventy percent built in the last ten. Totally. Yeah, yeah. like, like all that Klahani, Klahani and, yeah. and Newport Village. It's and supposed all to be a New West episode. We're talking about Port Moody. I love Port Moody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a New West versus Port Moody episode maybe in the next few months. I love New West more, okay. but but Port, Port Moody would be like my second choice to take to the dance. Okay, so do we cover we cover condos? Um, was there anything else? Well, what part of the news that's coming out is that these stats, and we look at board stats, and then we look at uh, these snap stats. And just for our listeners to understand, it's compiled by a third party who's packaging it in a way that's different from the way the board does it. Easier yeah. to digest for snap stats makes it easily readable. It's just a product. Um, but one one thing on the the macro level that I wanted to mention that I found really interesting. Um, so I went through houses, condos in pretty much all of the suburbs. The average days on market, even in this slowing down market, is still eight days across the board, Yeah, yeah. which I found very interesting. So even though the market is tanked, tanks too big of a return, even though the market is correcting, um, the stuff that's selling is selling fast. Like the good ones go quick, even, even if, and, and I mean, all of it's relative too, right? Like in Vancouver... We've had a huge shift from stuff selling 2% over asking to stuff is selling for asking price now. (laughs) But days on market is still around. Days on market. Under 10 days. Pretty much across the board. I didn't review any of the Fraser Valley stuff, but in in greater Vancouver, seven to nine days. Yeah. Yeah, And I think 
the point of what you're saying and the commentary that we have to be careful of when we analyze the market and talk to our clients, because our clients then parrot what we're saying around in the marketplace, is that things are maybe slower, but it doesn't mean the sky is falling. Right. Right. The idea that, oh my gosh, things are happening a little less fast, but the average days on market is still eight days. And we think that things are bad. Or this very last line here I read about uh, condos in New West. You know, the indexed average price of a condo is now just over $700,000, which is 20% more than May of last year, or 0.1% higher than last month. Um, but New West condos rose 32% on an annual basis, 2% higher than April's benchmark. Um, so it's just saying like year over year today, where we stand, we are 30% higher than last year mm-hmm. in terms of value. Insane. Yeah. And average days on market is still less than two weeks. Yeah. The the concept that people are wandering around thinking inventory is way too high and sales are down and everything's about to fall apart. I mean, we might yeah. see a little. So what would you say our absorption rate is then, uh, Matt? Oh, thanks, Jer. Well, you have the stats there actually, Jer. Oh, I guess I could answer <laughs> that. Um, we have a sales ratio. Uh, of for a full composite of 54 percent so half so, of the houses are half sorry then we're still talking condos yeah townhomes yeah so for there. the for the listener what that means is approximately half of the houses that are on the market sell every month and i one thing when i look at sales ratios that i think everybody should understand is the numbers in a good market are much lower than you would expect um, a balanced market is actually only 15 percent of houses selling. I think somewhere between 13 and 15 is where balanced is. Under that, prices start to drop. And over 20%, as long as it's moving upward, is is considered a seller's market. And you said 54%. Yeah. That's a lot more than 20. We're still... Yeah, well, and... and, do we want to talk more about condo? Sorry, I, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. If we were going to talk- give some insight into what's happening right now, we've got a little bit more choice out there for people, a little bit less pressure yep. on uh, you know the prices going up. They've definitely sort of leveled off a bit. I'm not seeing yeah huge discounts necessarily. And you don't need to be expecting to be competing against twelve other people. Yeah, so you can have conditions. You can write. Yeah, give me a week to You're to right. get my my bank um, you know, financing. Yeah, and sorted. without all the competition, that's what stops prices from rising. Right. So that's that's where we're settling in. I think um, before we uh, we wrap this up, we need to fact check. Okay, we can fact check, and I just oh, you we, don't. We're not going to wrap up. Just got a thing. Well, I I just wanted to briefly touch on because we talked a lot about condos, the housing market. The stats I found really exciting, um, and the the thing I thought was really exciting is for the first time in a long time, houses in New West are selling over asking. One percent over asking was the average sale price. And houses in New West have been really slow. Houses across all of Greater Vancouver. Uh, we talked about that twenty percent mark. We just rose above. We're at twenty one percent. So sellers, they're right on the cusp. But houses are actually officially a seller's market again, which is not what I'm hearing on the news at all. That's true. Uh, it is what we exactly what we discussed in last yeah. episode, though. Yeah. So we're totally in touch with what's going on. Yeah. We're so smart. Well, yeah, it's like we actually do this every day. Uh, So that part, we were correct. And I think that is why when I made that prediction last episode as well about condos coming back. What prediction? (laughs) We'll replay that another time. We can play the... the, Well, we had a a wager. I said that by the end of July, condos would still be under two weeks. 
And just to refresh, if you lose, Jeremy has to buy me lunch for a month <laughs> was the bet. Uh, lunch every time we meet for show prep. So we're just going to cancel all the shows. Yeah, so if our team sales are up, then yes, you'll have a lunch. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I mean that though, in that what you're saying about how the houses have come back and people aren't quite talking about it. I do think that that's going to have a positive impact on the market overall. Yes. And it will, it will help the condos, uh, not that the condos need to recover, but it will help the consumer confidence and help some of these condos that are this massive inventory just start to move along a little bit better. Can I, I have one, I know we got to move along, but can I make one more point? That's kind of interesting to me. You may. Okay. Is, is price brand differences. So if we're at a 50% sales ratio for all of new West that you can have between condos from 300,000 to 500 or a hundred percent. So more competitive, but if you look at 600 and up, now you're back down, you're like down to 30 percentile. There's still three to 500 every condo sold. That is interesting. You have uh, three to 400, 105%. Which is just a factor of the fact that the way Snap Stats records it, it kind of gets messed up, but all of them. And four to 500 is 95%. Wow. So still fairly competitive in those. Not much change. Yeah. Now, I haven't sold a condo in that price band in new West in the past month or so, are we still seeing multiple offers at that price point? Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Some of them I know in the month of may five or six offers on some of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sale to list price ratio average is a hundred percent right now. So yeah, people are pricing a little bit more fair. It sounds that's the hot spot. There you go. Those are the first timers. Here's the facts. Uh, so when we uh, talked about this last episode, our special guest, Stephanie Barrett of, of Mortgage Architects, uh, asked us to kind of predict what was going to be in the stats. And I'm going to play back what I thought, and we'll see if uh, if I was really on track. I report that inventory is up because the month before they said that inventory was down and prices were up. So then the public finally believed us that they should put their home on the market. And then everybody did it and it created too much inventory. So it'll see inventory is up and absorption rates are down. And then they'll try to extrapolate some ideas about what that's going to mean for the next month. Do you have a pie chart? (laughs) So did you bring a pie chart? (laughs) Again, not good for radio. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, okay. So we've established that we... uh, or at least Matt knows what he he's talking about in the New West market. Um, why don't we talk more about New West uh, in general? Bigger things than just stats. What's going on overall? Let's get into our main topic. Right, now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocating. Wrong. Without money, you lost. Wrong. Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, so this is an episode, main topic, that I think we've all been pretty excited uh, to talk about. We've been talking about doing this one since we started the show. Um, yeah, I've been waiting six episodes for this. Yep, lucky number seven is uh, is time. So all of us, uh, our office is in New West. New West uh, is uh, Matt and Jeremy's uh, sole focus of their career and uh, also a big part of my business. Um, so let's start talking about what are the things that are affecting the new Westminster real estate market outside of just the stats, what's, what's selling and what's not. And I think, uh, 
Matt, are you going to start us off here? Well, hot topic in New West is heritage. Old city. Specifically in Queens Park. Yeah, it, it gets a lot more interesting in Queens Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is con- there is a heritage conversation across town uh, all the time, right? There is a strong... The Queensboro Heritage <laughs> Conservation... <laughs> There's a strong desire from our our community, uh, certainly a a segment of the community has a much stronger opinion than others Mm -hmm. about preserving our our heritage sort of homes, right? The characteristic of the neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, And it does apply to all of them, but uh, we're coming up on a year now. It's about the one year anniversary that council approved a heritage conservation area for the entire neighborhood of Queens Park. And there was a lot of uh, fear and concern about what that would mean for residents uh, just living in the neighborhood. They wondered what that really meant about their their homeowner rights. And then there was fear about what it would do to the value of their home and their land. And more notably their land, I'll just sort of start this off by saying that, you know, when you put heritage protection on a house, but it's just an old junker that really, you know, grandma hasn't had much money to take care of for the last 20 years. The majority of the value in that, is just in the land. Mm-hmm. Or using it for movies and things like that. Yeah. I, Not if you have to take care Halloween. of it. Horror movies, maybe. Yeah, that's what I'm getting <laughs> There are a lot of really good haunted houses in Queen's Park around Halloween time. And maybe the whole year. Some of which need no decorations. <laughs> so I think you guys are aware of kind of what this means. The conservation area goes across the whole neighborhood. It means that uh, no house can be demolished without a proper heritage consultation. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff, you spent a lot of time, you know, as a youth in Queens Park. I could say you grew up there. I, I did grow up in Queens Park. Yes. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's more it connects more personally with you. I I live in Queens Park now, but I don't live in a detached house, so it technically doesn't apply to me, even though I'm in the neighborhood. So the the need this came about because there was they felt there was a need. Was it residents or was it the city or both? Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there were a lot of Queens Park houses being bought and demolished and. Turned into was gigantic it a lot? houses. Didn't seem like for me from an outsider. I did not grow up here, but it didn't seem like it was this, this well, there, epidemic there, sort of. There issue. aren't a lot of houses in Queens Park to begin with, like at sales per year. There, there's not. A, it's not a huge turnover neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean there, there were there were high enough percentage, and I mean uh, we had clients who were they bought and then they got caught in it. They couldn't we're in the right in the middle. Yeah, they they have not been able to get permission to do what they wanted to do, um, which can be pretty frustrating, right? You you spend millions of dollars on a piece of land, and then the city comes along and tells you 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 need to keep this tiny little house, yeah, that really has no function in the modern world. Yeah, and and it's it's things other than houses too, right? Like there's a lot of people who Queens Park doesn't really have garages that come in from the front, and that's for whatever reason that's something the city really wants to preserve is no front garages which that can be difficult for like there's a big chunk of people who are like i love queens park i would never live there because i want my car in a garage and i can't have but can't it. You just lift the house and move it over <laughs> yeah it actually all started from uh your, your question there jerry's like where did it come from mm. it came from the community it came from a segment of members of the community who were very upset about really two properties. One kind of spiked them and got them going a little bit. 
And it was a home that was constructed in Queen's Park that didn't fit the aesthetic of the neighborhood. And I'm not going to say exactly which one it is, but people who know, they know. If you walk around Queen's Park, you, you'll you have a pretty educated guess. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for a segment of, of people, they were really upset about it, that it didn't fit the neighborhood. And there is no design guideline standard in any zone in New West. You can build any style of architecture you want as long as it fits the size requirements for the lot. See, that to me would have been... And this is just me personally, but that would have been a more interesting solution of, okay, you can build, but you have to meet, like, you have to build, like, a faux Victorian Yeah, well, style. technically, that's where we are. You can demolish an old house in Queen's Park under the Heritage Conservation Area rules. You got to jump through a lot of hoops. You got to go through some hoops. You got to take some extra time. And they may or may not approve you. But, well, no, they will. They have to. They can't. In the end, they can't deny the guidelines. But you have to follow the guidelines. And so the reason why it exists is to be able to say, hey, you want to demolish that house and build a new one. We now have authority as a city to tell you what kind of house you can build. Now, my understanding, and maybe it's outdated, was that if there's a certain when you bring that heritage consultation in, that if there's a certain level of heritage they deem there, they can tell you, no, you cannot. They can't tell you you can't demolish it. It may take an extra year of trying to find somewhere to move that house to. Okay, so that's have to different go- than the understanding I have, and I'm not saying you're wrong. And also the diff- that's different than what a lot of the lawyers in New West are saying. It's I've read it. I, I, yeah. yeah, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. it's it's I, I, I definitely notice when these things happen, people tend to share information conversationally mm-hmm. and and became a telephone. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of that. Right. And a lot of fear and they tell the worst case scenario and they get upset about it and they, they pass it on. Could turn out that I'm wrong in this analysis, but I've heard it from the mayor. I've heard it from other people who seem to know. Yeah. And the mayor doesn't want to be very forthcoming about it. Right. He just doesn't want to say it as black and white as I just said that if you want to tear your house down, eventually you'll get a yes. Yeah. That eventually can take a while. Well, I, I've got somebody who's been trying for since this for right. a year and they they're not at a yes yet so I, I don't know now that part of that though is they had to wait right for the heritage conservation area to get implemented yeah there was the freeze we were in a freezing holding pattern there yeah. right but the idea is that the city will say okay yeah we've looked at your house we've done all the research and your house has a very special new westminster story and it has to be preserved and you say okay well i put it up for sale for a dollar for a year for someone to move it and put it anywhere they wanted to uh and nobody would take it and this is my land, and this is kind of how it goes. So that's kind of how this stuff goes typically when there's a heritage thing involved. Most people don't want to go that route. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the part about um, land value. And a builder looks at that and goes, do I want to buy a, a lot in Queen's Park and develop it and go through all right. this? The, the risk to the builder is much higher if they have to wait a year because what happened, they don't know. The longer they wait, the more chances the market shifts. In even, lo- even longer, it could be, you know, yeah, two yeah, years. It's a two-year process. And I, I would, I'm just, I'm spitballing that, but I'm saying it probably works out to two years. Right. And it's new. Nobody has really gone through it from start to finish. The city has their ideas about how it's going to go, but until somebody actually does it in practice, yeah, it's all just kind of, they're all just kind of guessing. And so the builder just says, well, no, thanks. I'll cross the street into one of the other neighborhoods mm-hmm. and I'll buy that one. And to be clear, I am a hundred percent on board keeping the character of Queens Park. Like that's real. that's really important to me. Um, I'm not against that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just not 100% sold that the way they've decided to do that is the best. Yeah, it, it it scares a lot of people about their homeowner rights. Yeah. You know, what am I going to be able to do? What about what about my grandmother who's owned this house for a long time and she hasn't really kept it up, but she doesn't want to move? Well, and, and another, another situation I had was um, 
So I don't want to give them away. So I, I, because it, you know, this client has a right to their privacy, but I have a client who uh, is in a house in Queens Park, and we assume that everybody in Queens Park are these wealthy people. But there are a lot of families that were there. Like when when my grandpa bought in Queens Park, Queens Park was not a wealthy neighborhood. He couldn't afford Massey Heights, so Queens Park was what he settled on. There are a lot of families that have been there a very long time. Yeah, there was a period and of time where it was it was yeah, it was old like junky swummy, houses. Yeah, was the, oh, was all the these thought. old houses. Oh yeah. So I have a client who lives in the house. His mom passed away. It was her house. And he cannot afford the upkeep of the house. But it's a teardown. Like, it is an absolute right. yeah. nightmare. Um, can he afford to go through the process of getting... Getting a demolition permit? Getting all the approvals and the two-year wait and the, like, it... Uh, um, and I don't know what he's doing he with it, but, I mean... It was very overwhelming for him when yeah, for somebody and for somebody like that, that this, I mean, it's pretty concrete to say that that is this conservation area is affecting this person mm-hmm. and is, has affected the value 100%. and their options Yeah, um, for the person who has been upkeeping their house. It's a heritage house, but you know, maybe, you know, the rentals were done in the nineties. Um, yeah. It hasn't seemed like it's really affected the pricing too too much for for those no, types of I, properties i think we can all say at this point overall this has not hurt queen's park agreed like and I, and i was afraid that it would that was something i was worried about for sure yeah i think it's because the neighborhood has a real strong uh general purpose of of taking care of these homes and restoring them and modernizing them so the majority don't fall into the category of the example you've given jeff for the yeah. one home, the, the few homes that haven't really been well kept and really are just land value because the alternative is if you buy the house as it is today you probably have to spend over half a million to fix it up. Yeah, it's not cost effective to No, it to makes way more sense to take down that home and build a new one. Yeah. Uh, so it's not fair to that homeowner. And they are a smaller segment of the neighborhood, but I don't think that they've been treated fairly at all. So we would rather the dilapidated house on the corner than to have something that's new and matches. Yeah, and don't and don't don't let the new builder build something that doesn't match the neighborhood. Like I, I don't want super modern Vancouver box houses yeah. in Queens Park, not to point any fingers. But <laughs> that, that I, was, I uh, love those houses. That was a large part of the intent of, yeah. of this Heritage Conference Conservation Area. And then the other house, I, I spoke about that modern one yeah. that kind of triggered this. That was the first spark. Yeah. And then the real problematic one was... 1920s uh, or 1930s house, right? Yeah, Tudor kind style. The, yeah. Really, really cool. People loved it. And the the person who developed the lot uh, went through all of the channels and some attempts to to preserve it in a way that allowed them to make money and have what they wanted for their family and all the rest of it. And the city couldn't accommodate that request. And there, yeah. there wasn't enough to make it work. And then the, so the, the neighborhood got upset about it. And then the city looked at it and said, oh, yes, neighbors who are very vocal, we hear you. There was nothing we could do. These are our processes. So then it was, well, we better change our processes then so we can. Yeah. And the intent there is probably correct, right? Like if the process isn't working, <laughs> that's an issue. It, I, I agree, but I, I, I tend to fall in sort of the capitalist side of things. And if I own freehold land, uh, I, I want rights to my land, especially the, the example you gave of your client, Jeff, who bought something before the rules came in and is now told you got to play by different rules. That would infuriate me. That might oh, put me in a mental institution. Sorry, just to clarify, I'm uh, saying that the problem that was identified was a re- like if the city can't accommodate wanting to 
allow this person to keep things the way they are. Sorry, I'm going back to your first example of your client yeah. who bought a, a lot with the intention. Yeah. Oh, of Oh yeah. No, and I, I okay. I'm saying I agree with you. I, I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I was just saying. I think the problem that they identified was a real problem. Like, and I just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, though, that we have to take into account is it seems like not everybody, but the majority of the Queens park residents are pretty happy about this. Or I think indifferent. I've met way more people who are super hardcore and it might be the vocal minority. Um, I have in, in private conversations. Yeah. Heard from a number a lot of residents who are not happy with it. Yeah. And it's not about what's been... So it's not just my clients. Yeah. Okay. And it's not about the rules. It's just the fact that they feel the rights have been taken away from them and their options and their choices when their times come. Oh, I got into it with somebody because I, I posted what's more important, protecting heritage or property rights. And I actually was curious about what people thought. And man, one of the guys who was really leading the charge for, for all of this like blasted me like we're not taking away anybody's rights we're raising them what about my right to enjoy my neighborhood (laughs) i'm like um i don't think we're talking about the same thing here (laughs) yeah so um i find that when i talk to people privately yeah they've got serious concerns with it but they don't like to bring it up in a large group hang on you can talk about things that are important in the city not publicly like we don't yeah. I have to post it to no. see if what? Yeah. I think actually it only counts if you put it on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's got to be on both or it actually it's not allowed to go to council. Uh, so over the last year, all this heritage stuff has been going on. And prior to that, they were going through all the consultations to create this heritage conservation area. And at the same time, we were incredibly distracted because we were doing a new official community plan. OCP. OCP, uh, which got way more buzz than anything actually happened. I, I don't like. I remember when they were. We'll get into it, but I remember when the OCP was announced. It was like, oh, New West is gonna completely change. I don't really feel like much has happened in that year or so. I mean, these things take time, but no, doesn't seem to. There's a couple people trying to get some serious coin for their yeah. house now that OCP. So what, what's uh, the biggest change? Is it the townhouse zoning? Is that the, the some biggest? Some infill, some density happening on some of the corridors, high rises around 22nd Street Station. The biggest change is that they took single family lots and said you could build high rise there. I mean, yeah. generally what the change was is they took single family lots, little segments and said you can build more density and more density might be duplex. It might be yeah. townhouse or around the 22nd Street SkyTrain. We're talking high rise. Yeah. It's a huge change. <laughs> I, I guess maybe I was just most excited about the townhouses because New West needs townhouses so badly. For sure. And yeah. I agree 100%. I was excited for that too. What I found frustrating during the consultation process, because I want more townhouses like you do, yeah. is that people in the zones that were proposed for townhouse development yeah. were opposing it. Not and, in my backyard. Yeah. And if those people are listening right now and they get mad at me... I. I'm not saying that you have to sell your house and let somebody build a townhouse there. The idea was that if you wanted to sell and two or three of your neighbors wanted to sell with you, you could all do that. And then a townhouse could be built. It doesn't mean that when the OCP is approved that all of a sudden you're kicked out of your house and it's townhouses. If your whole block agrees you don't want townhouses, then don't sell. And it was a lot of vocal people who said, uh, not not in my backyard, like you said, Jeff, not in my backyard. And uh, the city ended up a lot of areas they proposed for townhouse development um, were turned down. Hmm. That was generally off of the main streets. 
So, you know, a lot of our main arterial streets like 6th, 8th, and 10th Ave, those have been approved for potential townhouse development. But they wanted to go off of those streets a little bit. But apparently, if you live in a townhouse in New West, you're supposed to only... Only uh, live on a really busy street. Only live on a busy street and have no backyard and just enjoy your family that way. And Mm. that's where you're invited to New West. Sorry, I'm going to stop talking about that now. That's great. That was a great rant. Matt, Matt, Matt's getting a little fired up. You get Royal Avenue, and that is it. You live with the trucks, you truck people. That's all you get. Uh, but it's been a year. I don't see any new townhouses. Do you? I, I don't see any new townhouses that weren't already planned. No. Nope. Is there any any takers for high-rises on 22nd Street? I haven't seen. There's a sign that says pending offer. I don't know if that means like anytime you sell something, you're pending an offer. It means I, that I think they're saying that an offer is accepted and they're going through their consultation yeah. process. Okay. That's that's a real amazing. In the States, they yeah. always advertise that. The wording kind of confused me. Yeah. It's like pending offer. Like, like there's we're, one We're almost coming. sold. <laughs> we're just pending that one offer. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, then I guess there is. Well, there's, there's, well, there's, there's talk. On a, so on somebody a, says, in principle, I'll give you this money if I go to the city and they tell me I can build 300 condos. Yeah. Right. If it's looking, if it, if it takes a year to two years. For a single family house change, um, the high rises and things like that. And I don't even know like, what are they going to do? Like 22nd Street stations already a nightmare for traffic. Um, well, that's part few, of the consultation process. Yeah, They're going to say, fine, you want to build units. another 100 units. By the way, it also means you're going to have to add all this road infrastructure and, they, and then all the costs go up. So that's why yeah. you have this offer pending sign up for two years. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Too, too, tied up. too early to tell. No, there's a few townhouses coming up, like little boot. I don't even want to call them boutique buildings because it's not really what they are. But um, west of 12th Street, uh, you got Tim's one they're doing down on uh, Kern Irvin. Right. Yeah, but, but, that, but that was building, before. Though. That's that downtown, though. Before. That's yeah. before the OCP Zoning changed. Was already fine for that. I mean, I'm noticing houses that are put up for sale, and they say, you know, potential redevelopment. But developers aren't scrambling to pick these things up. And, no. and what I'm noticing is that the price that you think you can get for this townhouse development is hardly any different than just selling it as a single family lot and moving on. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's any massive windfall or payday here for anybody. So the incentive for a developer to buy up two or three lots and build townhouses just isn't there. There isn't, from what I can see, a lot well, more, much more profit. And they got to think about resale if they're on a busy street. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. I can build townhouses and I paid this inflated price for the single family home land assembly deal. Um, and now I've got to try and sell these things. On a, a main thoroughfare, I got to go back to this because I'm just so annoyed by it now. Do you Uh-oh. go to Do you go to any other neighborhood and only see townhouses on busy streets? Any other developing neighborhood hmm. in Metro Vancouver, Fraser Valley, where they're adding density, they're adding townhouses. A little bit in um, North Road is really adding townhouses along along North Road. Um, but if you drive in from North Road onto a side street, you have low rise. Four story. There is still density there beyond single family. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's not so much that there's a problem with building townhouses on busy streets. It's just why won't we let them build them anywhere else? You know, and and I mean townhouses have to be the number one thing young families who are moving to New West want. Which we're we're t- we're well, kind of going a little long here. So yeah. why, why don't we transition into uh, all right? Uh, who who is coming to New West? And we'll just kind of real go over this real quick. So I mean, young families. A lot of them aren't coming to New West because we don't have enough townhouses. They have to skip us. They got to bypass us. Yeah, they go right to Port Moody. Yeah. Yeah. My second girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that's 
I'm so annoyed now. Okay, well, let, let's just drag you real quick. So, Matt's in a bad place. Do you want to just talk to me, Jeff, for a bit? While, yeah, okay. So who, uh, Matt takes some deep who are buying? We, we've seen a lot of over $2 million homes sell in the last month. Yep. Um, Still get a couple of downsizers calling on our condos and things like that, the two bedrooms. Yeah. Um, who's buying the $2 million houses? It's, it's two not. And a half. Like, New West doesn't get the international market. We, we get a lot of the people pushed out of hmm. Vancouver, really. By yeah. by the international market, right? right. Like yeah. turning three or three and a half million dollars, yeah, into something out here. Maybe in the skip West. Burnaby, land in New West, yeah. skip Coquitlam, well, in Port Moody, and we are getting we are getting Burnaby people too because Burnaby prices have gotten so high. Sure, that um, uh, a client of mine who works Burnaby or not client, a friend of mine who's a realtor has a client from Burnaby. That sentence is really confusing. That makes sense. Um, but he was calling me and he's like, yeah, my guy wants to buy an investment house in New West. Do you know of anything good? And I'm like, well, what's his budget? And he's like, $3 million. I'm like, well, he can, an investment he can, house. He can buy anything. Anything he, he, he wants. wants. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, I, I mean, and, and we are getting a lot of young young people coming to New West still. And I think that goes back to what Jerry was saying with our price bands in the stats. Three hundred to $500,000 is virtually at 100% yeah. uh, absorption rate. That's that's the young people. And the, I think the sad thing for the city about uh, a lot of the young people that are moving in is a lot of them are buying based on our closeness to Vancouver. It's not that they want to necessarily live in New West. It's that they want to be able to get to Vancouver really fast and they don't can't afford it um one thing that i think is a little bit disappointing i talk to a lot of people that i've put into new west like i'll call them a year later and be like oh have you done this have you tried that have you done that and a lot of them are like oh i haven't done any of those things i'm like it's right out your front door like just walk down columbia street there's all the amazing sandwiches you could have the best sandwiches you want but you know they just kind of jump on the sky train and zoom into vancouver which we're known for our sandwiches we are known for our, our sandwiches yeah so if they aren't connecting with our community and eventually they have families and they grow and they need to move and we don't build them any townhouses. Langley. Suppose they're not staying here. Yeah. And, and the flip side to that, I mean, the townhouse I'm in, you do get community because every night after dinner, all the kids are out running around in that shared little park area screaming and whipping around and then all all the dads are out there talking and you know like it uh yeah yeah so we've we talked a lot about new west and it's because we're all passionate about it and i I got a little passion going in a few different directions right now (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen matt so fired up (laughs) it's, it's illogical and uh you know i find that when people are coming to New West right now, people who are outside of New West, we used to find in this business, a lot of what we did was moving people out of a condo and into a house in New West. Or out of their house into Belmont in New West. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. Princess or, in New West. Or a smaller house in Sapperton yeah. into a bigger house in a different neighborhood that they found more desirable to them. And we've seen a transition now where people come from Vancouver and they come into New West and a house is a house. They're not as discerning about neighborhood. They seem to just look at it like, well, what, like, what do you got as far as size of yard, size of house, price point, and the yeah, rest the, doesn't the, matter. The neighborhood identities have re- they used to be very clear. They're not as clear anymore. But I, I mean, do you maybe want to save that for? I mean, we could maybe do a part two. We I think we should. 
I think oh, we've gone on a lot here, so we should do we should kind of deep dive for our, our listeners into I I love that conversation too. So that's yeah, I think that's a good idea. We'll talk about every neighborhood of New West, what people inside New West and who have been here for a while think of it, and then the people who we experience coming in from out of town and how they're looking at it and what that means for values and how you should position your home if you're thinking of selling it or if you're thinking of moving to New West, what these neighborhoods might mean for you because maybe you should know that there's differences about them. So we're going to get into that and just really break down our community and help you understand it a little bit better if you're thinking of moving in or selling and moving out. Sweet. Cool. So that that wraps us up for what now has become part one. (laughs) Part one. And I'm looking forward to part two. Of the New West trilogy. Yeah. I don't know what part three is. (laughs) Hold on, you just committed to a part three? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that, that one can be about sandwiches. <laughs> All right, uh, that was that was a good discussion. That that got me going there. So we'll get into it more. But uh, we've got our question for this week. So uh, let's let's hear the question of the week. Check out the big brain on Brad. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, so uh, this question of the week actually came up in reality. Uh, so I have uh, clients, Dave and MJ, uh, who are moving out of their Port Moody uh, <laughs> condo. And uh, they um, they were told by their cleaner to run the self-cleaning oven uh, the morning of. They had cleaners coming in the morning of... So they're moving. about to move out. They're about to move out. They've hired cleaners to come in. Yes. Cleaner comes in. They run the self-cleaning oven that morning oven blows up so they called Ugh. called me in a panic um saying you know what are my responsibilities here and and they're great people like they just wanted to know like they weren't fighting it at all they were just like tell us what like if we're responsible if whatnot um and i just thought it'd be kind of an interesting conversation to have so uh what are the seller's responsibilities prior to completion and when do they end when do they end? is this right before completion this was the morning of morning of completion yeah so uh it's fully their responsibility it yeah it's their responsibility and they and they took responsibility if the oven had blown up at 1201 it would not have been their responsibility the nice the nice guy factor um i mean do you write in your contracts that appliances should be in proper working order so (laughs) they did have it in the contract that appliances would be in good working order um, which becomes a bit of a gray area if the thing, you know, if you turn the oven on a day later and you explode, how do you know whether it might have been in good and working order? Which is a good tip, I think, for all of our buyers out there is make sure you test your all your appliances and stuff right when you move in. But I think even without that clause, the seller is probably still in the hook because the, the contract does say it has to be in the same condition yeah. that you viewed it in. Um, now, the, the seller home, can argue that are... maybe the oven didn't work. Right, it's but. not a part of the home. That's why we write appliances right, yeah. in as an inclusion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I always put it in, but I, yeah. I think you'd probably be. Yeah, yeah. I see. I see what if you're someone really wanted to I mean, fight it, it would be part of the whole buyer beware. If you wanted a working appliance, why didn't you check them? Or you know, but what if you did? And if you did check them, and they were all working, yeah, yeah. When it comes to an argument around used appliances, yeah. Um, it's a tough battle to fight. Well, yeah. What are yeah. the remedies to this? What is like if you find out that it wasn't exactly what you were hoping for, and you go back and ask the seller to remedy this problem? Hey, this stopped working, or this is broken, or you know, there was a microwave and now it's gone. Yeah. You know, uh, 
the only way to actually make them do something is to get a court order, which is a little more expensive than a new microwave. A, a little lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and and this is part of the problem, too, when you're negotiating clauses that I find that there's such a gray area. Like, I don't know if you guys are the same as me, but let's say we find something in the inspection and there's some work that needs to be done. A lot of times the buyer will say, hey, uh, why don't we just get the seller to do that work? I don't care what it costs, just as long as they do the work. And the the problem in my mind is how do we make clear on paper that the work the seller is picturing is exactly the same as the work the buyer... Like, inevitably, the buyer is always picturing a higher level of work than the seller is picturing. Um, yeah, the seller is going to make it look done. Yeah, and, and I mean, even if they're right, they have great intentions. They're a stand-up person. They pr- probably, like, done is done. And it just said in the contract I had to fix the fan. The fan's fixed. I didn't replace the whole thing. Or I didn't, you know, like, I'd always rather do a credit than, than ask for specific work. Yeah, I agree. I don't have any faith in the seller doing it because their their motivation is just to to get it good enough for the day I move out. It's not a long term fix. Yeah, if it's your listing, though, you're not because it's always the buyer. The other side of that is that the buyer thinks this is thousands of dollars of repairs. They come at you for five grand worth of credit, and you're like, uh, "No, we'll just get my guy to come in, and we can tune that all up for five hundred And yeah, my my move. Um, <laughs> so the, the the when the oven blew up for Dave and MJ. What we did was we went and got a quote and we were like, hey, we can have this guy come do it. We'll pay for it. Or you can go buy a new oven and we'll give you a credit for it. Because that's the other thing too is Dave should not be on the hook to give them a brand new oven because they didn't buy a brand new oven. They bought a 10-year-old oven. Here's a used oven. Did you already want to get – I mean have a conversation. Oh, totally. And everybody was was great. Like nobody was – yeah, that's cool. I mean, I had something like that happen. My neighbor, uh, when I sold her place, her dryer stopped working about a week before completion. Yeah. And she understood the contract. And so she ordered a new one. Yeah. Just ordered a new one and had it delivered. But she called me up and she said, just so you know, I can't get it delivered until a day after the new owner takes over. I tried, I went and I bought it, but it's just a, a it's matter of, of shipping and all the rest of it. But mm-hmm. I've done my part, right? And, you know, she did. She went to all her effort to try to do it right. Yeah. Um, but I always give people that heads up when we're signing the contract. I just remind them like a seller. I say, your home has to be delivered according to the contract. The language is in substantially the same condition. And mm-hmm. we know there's a line for as viewed on a specific date. Uh, so, yes. you know, courts have a bit of a frame of reference. Sure. Yeah. Right. And I just say to them like, hey, worst case scenario, something's happened. Like you've got a hot water tank. Like what if it explodes? And floods your basement and all the flooring and everything. Mm-hmm. Like you don't just get to just sort of rip it out and be like, well, oops. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you've got a responsibility to fix it. But now I've knocking on wood, that's never happened. But that'd be real messy between signing Insurance. off on an offer and then trying to move somebody in in two months. But I do let them know that all of these types of things, any significant change, if you put a giant hole in the wall on your way moving out, you gotta you gotta fix this yeah. stuff. Right. I got a pro tip too for people which they um, might not realize, but. Um, if you move out of your place early, say you're bridge financing or something, and now that place is vacant for a few months, um, some of these appliances don't like not being run for a while too. So you have seals and things. So sometimes it could be totally fine when they're out and all of a sudden uh, you get, they don't do a load of laundry right when they get there, but you know, a week goes by or something and, and all of a sudden this is leaking or this, right. like we've had before where appliances, you know, dishwashers, uh, specifically can have this issue, um, washing machines things dry out whatever maybe it's more extended thing or maybe it was already on board time but regardless you know when they left a month before they might not think Mm -hmm. it's their it's their problem but i guess appliances a little bit of gray area don't have to replace it with new um what else uh 
special levies. I guess that's is that responsibilities. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one for sure. Matt, Matt dealt with that one. <laughs> yeah. Do you want? Are you gonna just leave <laughs> us in suspense? Or? <laughs> it's it's the day before completion for the seller. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's very. It, it's a little much to get into at, at this point uh, for this episode, but it's just you know there is there is a fi- a very defined cutoff point for if you're in a strata if something has been uh, proposed or voted on uh, for a new cost coming in in terms of who's going to pay seller or buyer and that's the problem with having long completions the right. longer you have between when you agree on the contract and when you move in the more things can happen and go wrong and circumstances change what's mm-hmm. that fight club quote on, on a long enough timeline everyone's survivability drops to zero <laughs> like the longer it goes eventually <laughs> yeah and so for that reason i i'm a risk adverse person i don't like long completions because all sorts of things can change yeah market could change market can go skyrocketing up or down and then either party says you know what change my mind yeah I'm not signing yeah if the market falls more than the deposit that's down start looking at it being like well if he keeps my deposit, I lose twenty grand, but I've already lost sixty grand. Yeah. Math. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a great question, MJ and uh, Dave. Cool. All right. Well, Matt, you want to you want to tell us a little story? Yeah, let's do story time. It's story time with Jer. Great story, compelling and rich. It's not always my story. No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, you can tell it to me or write it down and I will <laughs> paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. Okay, so this story ties in really well with our conversation around OCP and land assemblies. OCP. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, OCP. <laughs> All right. I've had this conversation with more than uh, one of my uh, friends in the neighborhood. Uh, not in Queen's Park, obviously, for land assemblies, <laughs> but just people in New West. And they talk about it and they think it's it's opportunity for a windfall, right? They think, well, if I sell my house and then with a few of my neighbors, developers are going to be fighting over it and I'm going to get maybe 10 or 20% more than market value. And that's great to get a little more than my house is worth. And I'll be able to do something fantastic for my family. And then I stop and I let them know how it works. And we talked about this with 22nd Street Skytrain Station. It could take a year or two to get approvals. But if we're talking about townhouses, typically when people want to buy a land assembly, they want to take about a year. They say, we're going to buy your house. I'll buy it for $1.5 million. I'll give you a final decision on that in 12 months. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start my consultation process with the city to make sure that this all works. Meanwhile, for 12 months, as a homeowner, your hands are tied. You're now tied to this contract. You're tied to the idea that you're going to sell for $1.5 million a year from now, and you don't know what the market looks like a year from now. Hmm. And what I said to them was, well, okay, a year from now, what if the market tanks? You think that the developer is going to remove that condition and proceed? The answer is no, hmm. right? They're going to want to renegotiate the price, and now you got less money. So how is that a good situation for you? And what if the market goes up a bunch? Well, the markets or the developers probably definitely going to proceed as long as they got their design guidelines worked out. And what does that mean for you? You thought your house was worth a million three fifty, and you sold now? it for one five, and now your house that was worth one three five a year ago, it's worth one five. And the whole point of you going through this exercise and selling for more was to upgrade. Right. Mm-hmm. And now you're in the exact same situation. So, and what it, you're buying is worth so much more yeah. too. Money's yeah. not going as far now. Yeah, so my my commentary to both of them was, if you're doing this to improve your family situation, if this is about your family home, your home is not a commodity to trade 
you're, you know, within this speculative kind of zone to try to maximize something over a one-year waiting period. You look at what it's worth today. You look at what it costs, the differential, to go get the house that you want for your family. And if it works and if you can afford it, you move because you see the house out there that you want and you make your move and you get it done. Because a year from now and you're told, okay, yeah, we're going forward. You need to move. Well, now you're just forced to deal with whatever the circumstances are, whatever house you happen to find out there. Yeah, to wait a whole year or whatever. It's Yeah. Yeah. I think the the people who win the biggest on those development deals are the very small condos that are getting bought out to build a high rise. The, the little condo buildings. The little condo buildings. I, I had a client who had a little one bedroom in Vancouver. It got bought out and he bought a gigantic house in New West for it. And I, I mean, he got paid way more than it was it was worth. Yeah, I did. I came across a buyer. I don't know how small their place was, but I believe it was near near Lowheed Mall. I think it was a low rise, but I think you're talking more like a ten unit, like a very yeah, small unit. Yeah, this this one, I want to say they had eight units, yeah. and it it was on land that they can now build a high rise on. So yeah. each one of those units was so valuable. Sure. To the this this developer, per- and I think that's maybe more of a rare situation than sure. what I seem to come across. But this person got that money. Um, I, don't know, I think that they actually completed and they got a rent back or they got to live there. So got that money, but waited a little bit. And that windfall that was double what it was worth at the time got them another one bedroom apartment. Mm. You get into these weird situations so too, when, when a condo is going to get redeveloped, because do you keep looking after it? Like if the condo needs <laughs> new windows, do you replace all the windows? Cause the developer doesn't care. Mm. We the, do. We see that with some of the buildings around town too. Yeah. That, that, like no 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 we're gonna get bought out no why no why would we spend this million dollars for upgrades like well because we're having some leaky problems and then like, and no, then the developer sees out. yeah that you've ignored problems. all the work and now <laughs> when it's time <laughs> yeah. now when it's time to actually look at offers on on the building yeah he's like well what other option do you have yeah, yeah. he's like so I buy this building from you or you each come up with twenty five thousand dollars to replace your balconies and windows yeah so my offer just went down a lot. Uh, but that's the condo side of things. And I think it's very different on, on detached. I think condo has a ton of opportunity because there's a lot less, um, speculation for the developer. Yeah. They, they know they're like, I'm adding density. I'm turning eight houses into 80. I'm going to be okay. But the idea of turning three houses into six to eight townhouses yeah. and you may not get approval for it. That's, that's to me is where it's a big difference. When I had these conversations with these guys, I was like, first things first, like look out for your family, you know, a year from now is a big difference. I think things happen a lot faster on the condo side. You get your money and you, and you move along. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't, uh, why don't we wrap this episode up? Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, next week, uh, I loved Matt's idea. Why don't we do that? We're going to talk about do part uh, two next week. We're going to do new West part two. Uh, discussing the different neighborhood identities and uh, what they are and what they were and what they are now. Um, And if you enjoyed listening to this today, please think about leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us get discovered by uh, by new people. Uh, Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks. So all this New West talk had me really thinking about uh, growing up in New West. And I don't know if you guys saw that um, there's all this media about whether to continue all the May Day celebrations because uh, 
you guys know how... Uh, I've seen a bit of... Yeah, I've seen a yeah, bit of that. So some sort of creepy dance or something. Or not necessarily creepy. It's not but creepy. There's a lot of layers creepy, to but Mayday. There was some, yeah. yeah. And there's all this hubbub. But the thing that's not getting talked about, which I think is the most important part of Mayday for when I was uh, in school, is Mayday is officially ditch day in, in the high school. And it is such a strong um, New West tradition that when I was in grade 12... So every year, you you skip school on May Day. And I don't know if they still do it, but it was like really solid. It, it had been happening for generations in New West here. And we had this new teacher, uh, Mr. Oliver, who I hope you're listening, Mr. Oliver. Hi. Um, and he came in and was like, he scheduled a test on May Day. And everybody's like, what are you doing? And he's like, sir, I'm tired of this garbage. Everybody's telling me that it's this unspoken rule that you can't do it, and I'm just, you know, there's no reason why not. You will fail my class if you do not show up tomorrow. And uh, everybody was so bummed out and, and like, oh, all my friends are ditching, and I got to go to stupid Mr. Oliver's class, and it was terrible. And uh, these are the problems of a grade 12 student. Um, and then we get there in the morning. And he's like, tests canceled. You guys can leave. We're like, what? And he's like, I had so many phone calls from parents last night and from grandparents. Oh, my God. Telling me that I did not understand New West and that maybe I should go to a different school. If I- <laughs> that's, ama- that's amazing. <laughs> and that's one of like my favorite New West memories is... Uh, Mr. Oliver trying to stop Ditch Day and it being completely revolted by the grandparents. <laughs> uh-huh. Is he so he's teaching in Port Moody now? Uh, he's not. <laughs> well played, sir. I don't, I don't know. He's I've got him on Facebook. He's not. He's not in New West anymore. Uh, Did they ask him to leave? Teacher. Oh no! Like <laughs> I paint a bad picture. Mr. Oliver was like a favorite teacher. Like he he was. It was weird that he decided this one thing he was going to, like, take a stand on. Yeah, it's just principle. Yeah, he said, this is silly. Yeah. You can't make me do this. I, I think it was, like, yeah, it was more the rebel in him was, like, you can't yeah. tell me what to do. Yeah. Like, I have to tell my students they don't have to come to class? No way. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think it really is important to understand the traditions of communities, especially smaller communities or segments, right? If, you yeah. know, if you're at a certain school in Vancouver that's around Commercial Drive that probably has age-old traditions sure yeah you know you gotta you gotta try to honor that stuff you can't just go in and try to change it and that goes with small communities too right yeah um, but maydays become pretty contentious around here it is a hot button yeah now. and it's because there's some weird stuff that goes with it for the like are you talking about like the school battles and stuff or i'm talking about like with the younger guys right like elementary school age like the the, the pick everybody picks like one girl to represent that not not stuff, not or? the May suite. I mean, that's kind of weird too. It's a popularity contest. Yeah, um, it's just voted on by the by the kids. But it used to be until a couple of years ago when they changed that that the kids like the girls just danced with just old people from New West. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was it was a tradition that had been carried on from the war. Yeah, when girls dads were away fighting they didn't have someone to dance with so the men from the community and you know takes Hmm. a village to raise a child right you know we come out and we we have this event to give these kids some a sense of family makes sense now uh but you know decades later it's like who's this weird old guy dancing with my daughter this doesn't feel right that's what sparked a lot of the change yeah and that's probably a product of kind of like mr oliver 
being introduced into the system. Because growing up here, it never even occurred to me. Like, whether that is weird or isn't, as a kid, it never felt weird. Yeah, and that was the big counter-argument to everybody through all this. was like, the kids don't care. Yeah. You know, and they don't. Um, But uh, as a parent of two daughters... I was never understood who these guys were or what their backgrounds were or where they came from. They just signed up and said, I want to go dance with some little girls. Yeah. Uh, that's a bit of a red flag. Mm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Traditions are important, but also things change. Yeah. So that, that came up. And then now the next fight that's going on right now, and I don't want to get into all of this, but it's from the school districts because the teachers have to facilitate a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And they find that it's, it's very distracting from a time of year when they're trying to finish all of their stuff because report cards uh, have to be submitted in a couple of weeks. So it really interferes with end of term. Mm-hmm. And then the district cost as well. They pay for school buses and all this other transportation to move kids from the whole district to Queens Park to watch this event where they lose an entire day of instruction. And my daughter, who uh, is in grade two, spent the entire day sitting there. I asked her what she did. And she said, I sat on a bench so once I, I got there and I did nothing for right. an entire day. Just, just the only thing I'd say in counterpoint to that I had a really interesting conversation with a teacher from Surrey who who is a client, and he lives in New West. Um, and he asked me while we were out looking at places one time, why do we all read the same books in high school? And I kind of said to him, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's because uh, it's easier for you guys to grade. <laughs> and, uh, and he said the reason we all read the same books is to create a shared community. It's not about learning that book. It's about... When we get older, we all did the same thing, and there's a connection. So when we there. make references to 1984, we all get them. Yes, exactly. That's the one with the, the Apple ad, right? A hundred percent. Okay. Um, I think you could apply that argument to the May Day festivities in New West. It doesn't matter what part of New West you grew up in, you have the shared experience. Now, whether it's worth it or not, that's a whole different conversation. Whether it needs to change, um, but just... I would imagine that the, the educational value, if there's educational value in reading the same books to create community, like if community has education value, then I think Mayday has educational value because it, it does create a sense of shared community. Sure. Uh, the district is worried about cost. Yeah. And that's, that's an entirely, yeah. Because our district is broke. Oh, and they all are. Like every, yeah. yeah. So uh, there's two parts of it. They say, well, it costs us a bunch of money. It takes us away from our teaching opportunities. And we're not, there's just... I get it. It's a shared event that everybody can relate to. It's a shared event in high school. You get to all relate to Ditch Day. You have your traditions. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the facilitation of it has become very, very arduous. Um, so that's the that's the issue of contention. I have no personal connection to it. So I'm I'm Mr. Oliver right yeah. now. Like, yeah. I'm not saying one way or the other anything to do about it because I feel I do not have enough perspective and context right i'm just trying to share with you what i'm hearing and reading for all the people who are listening and hating on me right now i actually don't really have an opinion i just i'm hearing it from from the different perspectives yeah and i I think that's fair and i think it's important too right like what what does somebody who doesn't uh because new west's community is changing right new west when i was a kid most of the people who lived here their dads and moms lived here. Like it, it was a community that you kind of grew up in and you stayed in. Yeah. And that isn't New West anymore. So maybe maybe some things have to change. And 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 maybe there's a happy middle somewhere too, right? Like maybe um like if the two problems are funding is a problem and it puts a strain on education is a problem, I would probably argue 
that there's nothing I'm learning in grade seven that's so valuable that I couldn't take some time out of that to uh, do some real community building. Um, but a funding problem is a, is a real problem. And maybe, maybe you need to reach out from outside of the education system somehow, um, which I think was on the table of, do we take this out of the schools and make it just a specific community? That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. They yeah. want, they want a community sort of organization to take it over, Yeah, you know, and, and there'll still be a, a school they lost to it. And they spend time prior to that, like teaching the dances to these kids and that kind of stuff too. But yeah, that's just part of it. Right? Well, and that's minor, right? Like we'd learn the dances. It wasn't this huge, right? Like, and I'm trying to remember, but I feel like it just took up gym time. The learning the dances. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Yeah. But <laughs> anyway, so that's all. Just uh, That's a new May Day twist. Mr. Oliver, I didn't know about Ditch Day. So, yeah. All right. Let's all ditch next year. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>